Welcome in to Inside Carolina's On The Beat Live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Ross Martin. That's Adam Smith. And that's John Bowman. Tuesday night Inside Carolina podcast that we've got going on. We are live a little bit after nine o'clock. Ross, I'll come to you first. Uh, the this title of this show is Crossover Season. Uh, safe to say it's pretty hectic around these parts, right? Yeah, it's busy. Uh, good to be with all y'all here. It's rushing into the household here. It's busy, busy. Last night, you know, got home at uh, what, 1.32, and then, you know, wake up work a little bit and then you have interviews interviews today at five and then mac brown tomorrow and then another game on friday and then wake forest on saturday so it's back to back to back here for a good four weeks and, and unc's football season is extending you know expect to be in charlotte for the ac championship game and a, a, a premier bowl game as well so it's not like it's going to stop until after the new year for football so there's a lot. And the thing is with UNC, I mean, basketball is, is very important for UNC fans. So it's not like you can just ignore it. Absolutely. It is a, a, a busy time at Inside Carolina. Adam Smith, you're still relatively the new guy. What, what do you think about this hecticness that is uh, Inside Carolina beat? I love it. I mean, what uh, I, I mean, this is I was listening to Ross give the uh, roll call there. Um, I mean, this is – we're lucky to be able to do this. There you so, go. I mean yep. – Blessed. Like, I mean, we really are. And uh, um, I hope we are sitting at a premier bowl game, Ross. Um, like uh, – but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's time to check the old Google calendar uh, to make sure that you're – you know where you need to be, Tommy. And, you know, you got to mix in those Hubert availabilities and the Mac availabilities and um, – yeah, I mean, I've always thought it's kind of cool at this time of the year how you get college basketball on a Friday and then you're going college football on a Saturday. I just kind of that's always been kind of fun. I thought in November. I will say this: my UNC, all my UNC friends, um, you know, they're still locked into football. I mean, some you you know historically, you know, UNC's fighting to get the six wins in football, and it, it's, the attention turns to basketball. But with the eight and one. Tar Heels on the gridiron, there is still so much interest on on football and people are not ready to move on to basketball. I mean, obviously you can do both, but I feel the same way, to be honest, you know, kind of locked in this football season and basketball is certainly not an afterthought, but, you know, you're playing UCW, Gardner-Webb, College Charleston. It's not really getting the heart rate up as, as much as a showdown with Wake Forest or Georgia Tech or NC State that remains on the schedule for the Tar Heels. It's unique, I agree though, because that, that that's what I've been seeing over here in my little corner of the universe, that people are still very much uh, zeroed in on Carolina football. And that you know how it is, like the old guys used to make the jokes if Carolina lost a football game. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's basketball season in Chapel Hill. You know, if they lost a football game, they weren't supposed to lose. So um, it's both seasons uh, in Chapel Hill. Go Sorry, ahead, John. You guys all. Yeah, it's unique, though, because this is the number one college basketball team in the country. I mean, UNC has not been the number one overall team that often. It was more common, you know, with, with the Hansborough teams. But this is a unique position for UNC basketball to be in. And you're right, it has been overshadowed just a little bit by, 
by football continuing on. Tommy, I do want to give you a chance to tell us about your post-game show that you're doing for basketball this season and tell us about how last night went. Good setup, John. Yeah, nice. Uh, did post-game – we've been doing post-game podcasts for a while now. I can't remember how many years we've been doing it, but Dewey Burke's been a big part of that. We have some where we use some other people, Sherelle McMillan and maybe Greg Barnes this year and some others while Ross and Adam are covering live from the whatever arena they're in. But Dewey came on last night. We did it live. We had, uh, you know, two or three, a couple hundred people in there live at what time was it? 11.15 on the East Coast. Dewey is uh, fortunate enough for it not to be that late where he is. Uh, but it's cool, you know, you break down the game with a former player, Um, Guys that played the game watch it differently than we do, even ones that cover it, definitely different than um, the the average Joe or whatever. So it's always cool to see um, Dewey and talk to Dewey about it. It takes me a minute to get back into the swing of things. Ross and Adam, I don't know how you guys um, transition, but it's like it's hard for me to talk about basketball when it's still football season. And and that's even when Carolina hadn't been good in football, but – Uh, Dewey's always so knowledgeable and easy to tee it up. You just let him go. And, uh, you know, he agreed that that game was good for Carolina basketball last night. It was ugly, but UNCW could play. And, uh, you know, I listened to Titus and Tate and Titus today, and uh, they were talking about how terrible the the preseason or the early season basketball slate is, at least for the first couple weeks. And, I thought it was good for Carolina basketball to have to play somebody that was good and sort of knock them down a peg and still get the win. But let's talk about this Wake football yeah, game. Yeah. Real quickly, I see a comment about Dewey being terrific right now. Dewey is unbelievable on the post game. I mean, he is so good. You mentioned it, Tommy, but it's very important. I've transcribed a lot of what he said the last couple of years, but definitely check out the post game podcast. I mean, Dewey is it's unbelievable analysis that he brings. It's just so different than what you would hear from anything I say or Adam. I don't know. But, but yeah, it's it's great. So check it out. Yeah. Sherelle's great, too. I, I always love listening to Sherelle, too. Yeah, Sherelle is a, Sherelle's one of a kind. I mean, love that guy. But here here's the deal about Dewey, right? And, and it's about athletes in general. I know that in the past we've had um, – walk-ons or athletes on or whatever that might not have played a lot or didn't play in the pros or things like that and and they've said some things that have sort of teed people off and and, you know then the comeback is well they didn't play well they're on the team and if you're on the college basketball team and if you're on a North Carolina basketball team and you're around it as much as those guys have been it rubs off and Ross like you were saying Dewey's just it's just, you know, Greg and I do the next level. Dewey Burke is the next level when he's talking about Carolina basketball. And, you know, he sets me straight a lot of times, and I try to ask questions from the fans and everybody and all. And I thought last night was a perfect example of that. And so if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. It's on YouTube. It's on the Inside Carolina podcast feed. Um, but, yeah, talking to somebody that has been in the arena is different than talking to about anybody else involved. So pretty cool stuff. Appreciate the the shout out there, John and Ross getting in on it. And uh, maybe one day when you guys aren't covering or don't cover a game, we can get y'all on post games. That'd, that'd be fun. Um, you know, Ben can give you guys a night off one day and we can do a post game pod. How about Tommy? You, you've entered retirement here. Now you find yourself working Monday night at 1145 PM. 
is you know it's it's tough it's tough out here for you <laughs> i love i love it um to ross's point to adam's point it's lucky we're lucky to be able to do this stuff i mean there could be a lot worse things to do and i see these people in the chat you know over 100 people now and and get texts and emails and all that stuff and these guys know people listen people care and, and they rely on us and especially adam and ross to get it to them you know so it's uh you know, the good thing about being retired is if, you, if you're if you up till 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, you sleep late. That's right. You, you used to have to get up at 6 a.m. So It really is a great job when you kind of step back and think about it. I mean, like, I would get to watch get to watch sports. And, you know, you just, there's there's not – it's all not – it's all not butterflies um, and, and rainbows and sunshine times. But, man, what, going to the Final Four and, and sitting there and – at Notre Dame and and got up in Virginia with the wind blowing through the open press box and it's a it's a great job to get paid to do this. We appreciate y'all's support too. I think Adam would agree as he nods. But I mean, much of it doing this and sitting in some office selling insurance or you know on the phone, maybe making maybe making a little bit more money. But the lifestyle and 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 having the the being able to cover these players, these teams, cover Roy Williams, man, that is cover Roy Williams will be something you tell your your kids about. You know what a legend. Yeah, and, and being around some some big time college athletes, big time college coaches, big time games, uh, all this stuff. You know, I remember I walked in in 1997 and, and sat in on a press conference. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, and Bill Guthers is sitting up there talking about uh, you know Carolina basketball and all that stuff. So how how cool is the opportunity? Uh, but we're able to do it because everybody that listens and and subscribes to Inside Carolina and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, it's just fascinating to see how the, the, the landscape has changed with coverage. Um, but one thing has always been the case. It, you look at the pressers on Mondays. There's four Inside Carolina guys there covering it, covering Mac Brown and Longo and Shizik and all, and just sort of people come and go. Inside Carolina is always there. All right. <laughs> Enough of, enough about tooting our horns, uh, but again, appreciate it. Appreciate Johnny T-shirt for sponsoring, of, of course. Let's talk about Wake. I want to talk about basketball. Now y'all got me on the basketball kick, but let's talk about Wake first. Ross, um, somebody in the chat says, biggest game in Mac Brown's <laughs> career. Yes. I don't think so, but but what kind of sense did you get from Mac and – the coordinators on Monday about the importance of this game. I didn't get the urgency really um, maybe as we have, maybe the Pittsburgh game. I don't yeah. know. What you think. I don't know. I mean, all these games kind of feel this a little bit of the same, you know, I don't know if, if Pitt or Virginia or, or wake is, is any more important than the other wake has a little bit of a rivalry aspect to it. I think, I think that the fan bases don't really like each other. I, I hate wake fans. They grab me on Twitter, all, all 10 of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're mean and nasty, but um, yeah, let's, look, this is just, you know, if you want to, if you want to be there in the college football playoff, if you want to have a chance, if you want to, if, if you want Drake may to be in the highs of conversation, this has to be a, a big game for UNC. Um, so, but I don't, I don't, yeah, it's, it's big, but I don't think it's any bigger than Virginia could have been or, or Duke really, you know, I think state is bigger. But and I think George Tech is a little bit less big, but I think Wake Wake is up there with with I think Pitt, Virginia, or or, or Duke. Honestly, Adam, you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. When you're saying if you want to be in the the CFP and you want to get Drake May the Heisman, I was thinking 
being the age that I am, if you want to win the state championship, you got to go through the Deeks and obviously the Wolfpack later at, since you've beaten Duke. But yeah, I was kind of laughing when Tommy was setting it up because I was like, was it Pitt the biggest game ever in Matt, Matt Brown's career? <laughs> Did you say that, Tommy, or someone said I that? I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was pretty big. Um, I don't think a game at Wake, given what they've done up till now and what they can still accomplish, um, is, is the biggest game. But somebody in the chat said it, so I adopted it. Two weeks ago, this could have been for the Orange Bowl. Um, you know, Wake has gone from – I mean, honestly, like, I mean – Wake has gone from Orange Bowl hopeful to, I mean, picking up the pieces after the way their last two weeks have went. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you rate the bigness, <laughs> the bigness of, of it all. But, um, measure you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, I was just looking at the schedule. I was like, this is going to be the first actual ranked team that Carolina plays. Um, and then Wake dropped out of the poll. Um, so, but also, and not to get not to get sidetracked, just the the prelude we had in here, I was enjoying it. And Ross was talking about the air going through the open air press box, the wind at the open air press box. Uh, Ross and I happened to meet, I believe it was two, two, three people on our walk into Scott Stadium in Charlottesville that were loyal IC fans, subscribers, supporters, and it was great. I mean, we had a great time just walking into the place before we watched the game, and it was cool seeing people who. Uh, Wanted to tell us they enjoy this stuff. So thanks to you guys. We appreciate that. It was awesome. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I think Wake, is there a, Tommy, is there an old school saying about a wounded animal? I think that Wake, <laughs> you know, has to be looking at this thing as a get well game, uh, in terms of the Wake offense and the UNC defense. Um, I think Sam Hartman, I was trying to, I was looking it up earlier. If I remember it right, I think he's thrown for nine touchdowns the last two years against Carolina, if I have it right, and over 400 yards or right at it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I actually think they're huge because, like, if you lose one game with your Carolina, you're not out of the race to win the Coastal. You're probably still going to win the Coastal somehow, some way. But, like, if you lose one game, do you feel like, you know, the shine is off what's happening right now at eight and one and five and oh. I don't know how how do you guys feel about that? Like, you know, you yeah, want to I mean, keep this yeah. momentum going. Yeah, I think you if you wanna you wanna win every game ahead of you. I don't I mean they're on a path now where eleven and one is is very there's a great chance for eleven and one. And twelve and one is a possibility. So so if you want to do that, this is a huge game, right? You're at this point now where every game is big because teams teams are coming for you, and the stakes, the stakes. Not not only that teams are coming for you, like everything is meaningful uh, because yeah. you need to to keep stacking it. But yeah, the stakes. You're playing for something in November, as as Mac has said a couple times now. Yeah, the the more you win, the the bigger the games get, right? If you're mm-hmm. five and four right now, or whatever, five and three right now, yeah. it, it's a big game for the the water cooler. But now it's a big <laughs> game for the. For the thing, I saw the CFP rankings came out today. Carolina's 15, State is 16. I believe State got a five-place jump for beating Wake Forest. So, maybe Six. Carolina can be in the top ten next yeah, week. Six places. <laughs> if, hey, they, if they can beat Wake. Props to State. That was a big win for them, I thought. Kind yeah, of I mean. Put it all together. Close your ears, IC faithful. Close <laughs> your ears. That was a big win. And for what they've done, losing their starting stud quarterback, Heisman, Heisman hopeful, Devin Leary, check down Charlie. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I think they're I mean, better. Props right? to them. I mean, I mean, Diamond Dave Dorn, he's got them playing pretty well now. Their defense has, has stayed solid. And and MJ Morris, you know, the kingdom is yours. <laughs> <laughs> no one will get that joke. That's an inside joke. But Russ is on a roll today. But, yeah, Carolina has to play Wake. <laughs> I mean, to, to the point about a wounded dog, I don't think it matters um, <laughs> when you play app and wake and and duke and state i don't think it matters how many games they've lost i think they all hate carolina to ross's point uh wake forest is vicious now those wake forest fans i'm not going to say how many of them because i'll be in winston on saturday i don't want to run across them and have to handle business (laughs) but uh you know that's a it's a rough bunch up there um ross let's let's talk about this pressure and this blitzing question you ask it to gene chiswick you didn't go up there and say, saying, you know, why in the hell don't you blitz on third and long? Why you only rush three? You ask, the need to get more pressure is important, is it not? And how do you intend to do that and all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I don't – Chiswick didn't really give much of an answer, did he? Uh-huh. I don't uh, – <laughs> Look, I think it's an – I just don't think they have the guys that can get – you need an elite – you need it's – it's a one-on-one battle, right? You know, you you need a guy that can beat another guy to get the quarterback, and they don't have that guy right now. And Noah Taylor was kind of that guy, but he only had three point five sacks when he when he got injured. So you have to you have to you know bring an extra person if you want to get pressure. So that means bringing five, dropping six. Um, but they man, I we it felt like Brent Armstrong sat back there and had could do whatever he wanted back there. He had plenty of time. One sack for UNC. Cedric Gray, um, and that was, you know, Chris Collins got him. Cedric got him. It wasn't like some crazy sack. So, there's there's a little lack of pressure. It's, I think it's a huge issue for UNC. Uh, they keep winning, though, but um, it, it's just this defense is what it is, man. It, I've said that. It, it's the front seven's not – it's okay. You know, Cedric Gray is great. Power Eccles is solid. But the defensive line isn't, isn't amazing, and um, they're going to get run on a little bit. And they're not getting pressure on the quarterback, and they'll fix some things in the second half. And then you hope Drake May and Josh Downs connect for a touchdown or two in the second half, and they win. You know, it, it, the defense is what it is. You get a little bit better here and there, I think, in the secondary, but that's about it. I'll tell you one thing that surprised me about Saturday's game. I was looking forward to seeing what some of UNC's role players on the defensive line would be able to do with their expanded role. We've talked a lot about this on, on Inside Carolina, but. UNC lost some major pieces, uh, especially on the ends, Desmond Evans and Noah Taylor. And I was excited to see what people like Chris Collins, Cayman Rucker, Jacoby Cowan did. Um, Cowan especially really surprised me. He did not grade out very well uh, with PFF. He got a 43.1 overall grade in 17 snaps. If UNC is going to compete down the stretch in some of these bigger games, they're going to need a lot more from people like Cowan and Chris Collins. I was surprised to see them not play as well in, in, against uh, against Virginia this pack, past weekend, but I think they're going to have more opportunities. Um, and it's going to be important, especially this weekend, with the offense that Wake r- runs with Sam Hartman, you know, trying to put pressure on him. Somebody asked about the muddle huddle or, or whatever they do, it, the sugar mesh or whatever they call it. That Flow, slow mesh. mesh. Flow mesh. No, there's a nickname for it. Muddle, uh, muddle. Uh, <laughs> Adam's your slow mesh guy. All the questions go to him for that one. Uh, slow mesh. Come on, man. That's a boring way to put it. But you watch how many times they run that, and you watch how many times a safety 
bites. That's what they bank on. Oh, yeah. And Carolina's had issues um, with some of the safeties triggering downhill a little bit too early. I think this is a game that Storm Duck, he's looked great the last couple games. Uh, he, he feels better, obviously, and they've talked about him. He's going to have to be on it. And Tony Grimes has got to be on it or it's going to get uh, – we're going to see another 50-something to 50-something shootout. It's going to have to be that way. I just don't – everybody is shouting blitz. And I can talk more about this with, with Jason Staples and all, but we can discuss it here. I don't see – do something different. Yeah, sure. Um, but you blitz. If, if Carolina blitzed a lot against Pittsburgh, a fair amount against Pittsburgh, right? If Slovis was any good, <laughs> Pittsburgh would have been up 28-something in the first half because he had guys running free. Sam Hartman's that guy. And A.T. Perry and the other receivers on this team are that guy. Um, I just think this is another game. And, Ross, so, no, I'll start with you, Adam, here. I think this is another game that it's Drake May, man. It's Drake May, period. You're going to get what you're going to get on defense with a flash here and a WTF there, and Drake <laughs> May's got to come play. What do you think, Adam? Absolutely. I mean, it's this. It's as far as he can take this team. He's look how far he's taking them. You know, it's it's you know, let's not make it too complicated here. It's I mean, it is all on him the rest of the way. However far this thing goes, whether it goes to uh, the Orange Bowl or the Blue Bonnet Bowl? Uh, I was trying to think of some old school bowl you would like, Tommy. Hey, um, I used to watch that game. Carolina played in that one. Uh, but you know what? We're, just to jump back to what Ross was talking about earlier about you know blitzing and stuff. We did. Ross and I sit beside each other every game, and it's lovely. There's no one else I would rather watch a game with. Than Ross. <laughs> and like we, you know, you say it. You don't even mean to be saying it, but like we're watching it Saturday, and it's like all day. Now, I can't tell you how many times we both said all day. When Brendan Armstrong's just back there, and then they'd roll him out. Nobody's messing with him. You know, he's just rolling it out. He's gonna, he may flip it. You don't know. Um, but yeah, Drake may. Yes, uh, I saw somebody in the in the comments over here said uh, Rucker is the answer at Jack. Uh, I I agree. Um, and I'm not saying that Cayman Rucker is Lawrence Taylor, but uh, all due respect, I thought Chris Collins was not good on Saturday uh, at UVA. He played the most snaps too, Chris Collins on defense. But then again, yeah, right. What do I know? They got him in for the most snaps for the line, yeah. Because there's no, because they don't have a ton of options. Yeah, right, right. I mean, people holler about Travis Shaw needs to play more. Travis Shaw looked, he was gassed, and he played 13, 17, something like that. I mean, somebody you got to put eleven out there, right? Collins is. He's the oldest one of the bunch, isn't he? Uh, I mean, I just uh, Rucker, the oldest. Y'all talked to Rucker today. What did he? He looked. He looked a little banged up on Saturday. I know he said this week he's practiced fully and all that stuff, but can he physically hold up to that many snaps? That's a tough yeah. ask, I think. You know, you know what I preach about Tommy. Tommy always watches the press conferences. That was an interview that happened today, and Tommy listened to it. And he watched it because he had that info. He always watches the press conferences. I got to be able to talk ago. about he it. Got it, it. I got it it's in great. the close window. Yeah, it's great. It's great preparation. Hey, one point five time is wonderful. <laughs> you can do that on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I think Rucker is critical. I think Javari Ritzy. Uh, he seemed like one of the better defensive linemen on on Saturday. He's big too. Like we, I think we predicted that kind of Rucker and Ritzy being the key players. Um, you know, we'll tell you, Travis Shaw is—he's not in 
college football game shape. So you're going to get those 10 snaps from him. Um, and then people, I mean, I don't know when people are going to stop asking about Keyshawn Silver. Still hasn't played. So that's what you got. I, I was surprised Malka Hamrick didn't play as much either. Me too. Um, only one snap. Uh, he's played more in games when they needed him less. So uh, it's interesting to see the rotation there because the the dime package looked a little bit different, it seemed, because Malachi Hamrick's usually the dime guy. Um, Adam, anything else on the defensive line there? I What John was saying earlier, I think Jacoby Cowan looks good. I mean, that's a very analytical answer. There, I, I just think he looks like he has something to him and can contribute. Uh, you know, I think he's – I think he's somebody that can that can do some things. But, you know, Tommy asked about Drake May. I mean, yeah. Like, like I mean, is is he the is he the ACC player of the year? I guess he is at this point. Yes. I mean, yes still three weeks left. Without he's, question. He's won yeah. ACC player of the week five times. Yeah. I mean, he's without question the ACC player of the year. And somebody – Gilbert, I don't, I don't want to mess that one up. Drake may unanimous? No. Armando Baycott was not a, a unanimous first team all ACC. You think the media is going to vote Drake May unanimous ACC player of the year? Who would, who would, be, who would be the other people? Who would be the other people? Um, Pitt running he, back. I was trying to think about. I mean, is he Abacondo? Um, oh, yeah. Abacondo could Sean, be. Sean Tucker. I don't know who's in the numbers. Yeah. I, I, Josh Downs? <laughs> he'll get some votes. I asked the question. Who's the better football player, Drake May or Josh Downs? Football player. It's a good debate. I mean, <laughs> it's called, look, let me, let me read some stats for people in the chat. 20 of 29 for 337 and six touchdowns. Anybody know what that is in the chat? I'll give you two seconds to, chap it in, to type it in. That's Sam Hartman against Clemson earlier this year. Anybody think Clemson's got a decent defense? That's all that he did? You think uh, that's say, all? Say it again. Say it again, Tommy. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. 20, 20 of 29, 337 and 6. That's yeah, what, I mean, what that's that game was Oh, that was overtime too, right? right? Over, overtime, right? Four overtimes, I think. Yeah. I don't care. He threw, <laughs> I don't he threw one over he threw one uh, touchdown pass in overtime. You, you I'm telling you, Sam Hartman's going to get his stuff here, whether Carolina blitzes or not. And, and somebody's already said Clemson's defense is whatever. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't know what people expect from this Carolina defense. I expect them to do what I said earlier, and I expect it to be on Drake May's shoulders again. I mean, somebody proved me wrong. Somebody tell me wrong. I'll believe it when I see it. But if Carolina comes out and blitzes over and over and over again, they might get a couple sacks, and they also might get whipped. Well, here's the deal, though. I mean, Sam Hartman's been sacked 11 times the last two weeks. I mean, um, yeah. I, I mean, I feel you. I think you got to get to it. They, I don't. They can't get to him without blitzing. I mean, Carolina's what last in the ACC in sacks. No one's got less than the Tar Heels. I think it's 14 in nine games. Um, but I mean, the, the what Louisville and NC State were able to do to him was to pressure him, to hit him, and I mean, Ross and I watched that NC State game. Like, you know, it looked like he forced some throws because they were behind and he was trying to make something happen. And he, he you know, he wasn't worried about his efficiency rating. He was trying to get the ball to some guys to score some points. And he, he forced a couple and got a couple picked off. What is it, six? I think he's thrown six picks the last two weeks. Um, 
because he's had people in his face. And he's not 6'5 like Drake May is, you know? Um, he's going to have a game against UNC. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll dice them up a little bit. He'll, he'll definitely get some yards and score some touchdowns. But he might throw some interceptions too, and that's where UNC's got to capitalize. Yeah, I think yeah, you got to get your hands up. To your point, Adam, about him being short, you got to get your hands up. State was knocking down passes left and right by getting their hands up. You don't have to get to him. You just got to get your hands up. And, uh, you know, Twig said Carolina's going to get whipped, not blitzing. I, okay. Maybe they'll come out and blitz every time. It's not going to happen. They're not they, – they'll send pressure and they'll get a corner blitz off the edge. But – uh. I think, like Ross, like you said, it, it sort of is what it is at this point. Just win. What's up, John? I think, too, with Hartman, when you look at the numbers, it's important to tell the difference between when he's under pressure versus when he's blitzed because he's a senior quarterback. He kind of knows how to work this offense. So his actual PFF grade is higher when blitzed versus when not blitzed. What matters for him is pressure. When he's under pressure, his offensive grade in PFF is 50 when he's kept clean, his grade is 90. So that's the game for UNC. This is a UNC team that struggles to put a quarterback under duress. They're facing a quarterback who is great when he's kept clean. That's sort of the whole game this weekend, uh, whether or not UNC can find any way to put pressure. doesn't have to be blitzing, just putting pressure on Sam Hartman. There's a, and blitzing does not equate pressure. Mm-hmm. Where are we going with this? What's Carolina – what's Drake may need to do? To, on Saturday uh, to – does Carolina have to win for Drake May to continue to get national buzz? Drake May throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and Carolina does not win. Does Drake May stay in the hunt, Adam? Man, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, because, you know, if he puts the numbers up, um, I think he's going to have to throw for 300 yards and, like, three or four tutties. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm – I'm not exactly sure who's the Heisman front runner, who the top three are, the top five. Um, you said muddle huddle. It's ringing in my ears, Tommy. Like, I mean, it's a muddled race, isn't it? Like, uh, who leads? Well, I saw Dennis Dodd the other day or today had Drake May as his number one, um, number one guy in the Heisman. Stroud um, from Ohio State is to is widely considered to be the front runner. I don't think I don't think Hooker Hendon Hooker is. Um, even though if Tennessee wins out somehow. But it's Stroud. I don't think the Alabama quarterback should be up there. Um, the running back for Michigan's getting some buzz. Right. Um, Corum, Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said Bo Nix. He's getting the hype. His, his, uh, his, his betting line or whatever you call it is higher than Drake Mays. I just don't see that. He's still Bo Picks to me. Um, shout out Gregory Hall on that. It, Ross, great. I think he's completing like seventy-five percent of his passes. Bo Nix. Um, anyway, it's amazing what happens when you get the hell out of Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Gregory. Love you, man. Wish you'd come join us. I know you're out there. Uh, but anyway, um, I, what happens, Ross? What do you What do you see happening? I'll I'll, I'll let you get the uh, maybe the ten Wake Forest fans that harass you all the time <laughs> fired up, or, or get some of the inside Carolina people. What happens on Saturday? Do you think? <sighs> <laughs> three point five point spread. I think it's be. I think it's be tough. I think it's going to be a tough, tough game for UNC. Um, but look, I, I think Drake. It all comes down to quarterback. I think Drake May is a better quarterback. I, I think he just has it, 
and the way Wake's played the last couple of weeks, um, it just I, I think that UNC has the advantage with with the quarterback there, and I think that ultimately is is what makes a difference in a game like this. So I think there'll be a lot of Carolina blue in that stadium. I think it's gonna be, you know, I think it's see like something like a 35-65 split UNC fans to to Wake fans, and um, I think UNC's offense is clicking. They found their uh, running back. And Elijah Green, Josh Downs is you can't cover him, you know. Antoine Green's ready for a, a breakout game, another breakout game here. So the defense, as much as we kind of you know bash the defense, I, I think every game, it, different aspects of it get better. And so maybe we found something here with Storm Duck, which can you know one out of the two corners playing well can be a big thing. So I think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna be tight. I think it's coming out to the end. I think it's gonna be high scoring. It's your awesome game, and I think I think UNC comes out on top. Adam, what you got? I, I'm on record for ten and two this season, and everybody that pays attention to this podcast knows what those two were. Um, so I'm not talking about that, Adam. I picked, I believe, I picked Carolina to go eight and four this season, and I had them losing this game to Wake Forest. Um, I think Wake is good. Um, I think they have not played up to how good they are the last two weeks. I will say that when I picked uh, UNC to go eight and four and lose to Wake in five minutes on some August the fifth day or something, um, after having watched what I've watched this year, I'm changing my pick, and I will say that UNC is going to win this game, and it's going to be forty-five to forty-one in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and uh, Drake May versus Sam Hartman is going to be great. But my God. We're talking about Josh Downs. What a badass is that? I mean, that guy's a badass. Oh, Josh Downs. Yes, it's true. Uh, and he's balling. Think about the wide receivers that are going to be on the field Saturday. Josh Downs, Antoine Green, A.T. Perry, Donovan Green. These guys are nasty. I mean, I mean, you guys have seen Wake Forest play. I mean, freaking A.T. Perry looks like Michael Irvin running around out there. He's like 6'6", you know, like. I mean, that's another thing that we're going to have to talk about or that UNC is going to have to address, the height of those Wake receivers. You got like 6'6 six, six and 6'3 six, um, with Donovan. I believe Donovan Green 6'2 or 6'3. Um, those guys are tall, you know, like – and Hartman throws them up to them. Um, but, I mean, look at what Downs has done the last three or four games. I mean, he's just on another level. And, you know, it seems like Carolina, if you get to a certain point in the second half – Let's just go to Josh Downs because no one can cover him. You know, just go to your best player. And he even said to us after the game, I'm sure Ross remembers that his legs were t- his legs were tired on the punt return. You know, because he's been catching so many balls. Um, but like, I mean, he's like the ultimate X factor. I feel like Josh Downs. But that's what I've got. I've got a shootout. I mean, the last two times these teams have played, it's been like 59, 53, and 58, 56. There was the game in 2020 when Sam Howell threw for like 500 and some, um, the school record. Last year, Ty Chandler went crazy. Uh, if you remember, Wake was unbeaten last year when Carolina played them, and they were like number eight in the country. They hadn't lost a game. Carolina gave them their first loss. Um, I think it's going to be another shootout. I think it's going to be a lot of fun players to watch on that field Saturday night. Yeah, I think I, I'll do my picks on Thursday, but I, I think Wake losing the last two um, I think has gotten a lot of people's expectations heightened that Wake's not as good as everybody thought they were. And I don't know if that's the case, but I still think Drake May is the difference. Ross, 
let's uh let's take a break come back after the break and talk a little carolina basketball but do your thing my man yep blue shark vodka got the bottle here now you know it's the smoothest vodka in the world based out of wrightsville north carolina connor barth shout out to him the legendary unc kicker is a part owner of blue shark vodka we want to uh, shout out them and appreciate their for their sir appreciate them for their support of our shows and this show and the scoop and of course calling the shots uh, blue shark vodka the smoothest vodka in the world available in all 100 north carolina counties if you're tailgating at wake forest got a holiday party coming up you know maybe a little blue shark vodka a little ginger ale a little cranberry juice and some orange slices a little thanksgiving punch check it out blue shark vodka um when you're when you're supporting them you're supporting us and we know you love inside carolina uh, that's all i got tommy the floor is yours oh my goodness uh you get to talk about that i get to talk about johnny t-shirt love them both equally johnny t-shirt and johnny t-shirt.com great sponsors of the podcast they've got all the swag you need the crew neck sweatshirts i walked out today it was 80 what 85 degrees yesterday in chapel hill i walked out today and i shocked with how cold it is and i immediately thought i need to get johnny t-shirt and buy me some sweatshirts they've got everything you could need uh clothes jerseys nil stuff home gating tailgating stickers anything you need at johnny t-shirt go see them on east franklin street or visit them online they're alumni owned and operated and you get 10 percent off your order i'm curious as to how many people in the youtube chat don't have inside carolina premium subscriptions but mm. i'd like to know that reveal yourself because if you do and then you <laughs> sign up you get the johnny t-shirt discount and look i will save uh, a ton of money by having a johnny t-shirt discount from inside carolina it's just the way to go visit them national guys pay the bills we'll come back on the beat live 9 39 on the east coast we'll be right back all right on the beat live, I got a hangnail. That's what I keep messing with. Sorry about that. Ross Martin, Carolina basketball started on Monday night. UNC Wilmington mentioned it earlier. I thought it was a good game for Carolina to have. Um, just your general thoughts. I mean, we've heard a ton about how good this team is and how good this team is going to be. What do you think in their first uh, first episode on Monday night? You sure you don't want to talk the election, Tommy? I do not want to talk elections. <laughs> I am so sick. Uh, look just vote whatever your views are just vote but i'm so Do sick it. of people texting my phone yeah, telling me that somebody's a pedophile and i don't need to vote for them <laughs> i think i get that response uh polls are closed though you can't vote anymore um <laughs> on a roll man it's because i'm yeah. tired right uh you know <laughs> look this game was ugly it was sloppy it wasn't pretty uh, I don't know how much we can really take from it. It was cool seeing Nance out there and, and Seth Trimble. And I wish Tyler Nichols shot the ball a couple uh, a couple more times. But, you know, I wrote about it. it it's kind of just like, you know, the first game jitters. Matt, uh, Hubert Davis said that the team seemed a little nervous and anxious, kind of getting those, those first game jitters out of the way. Um, I, I really don't know if there's really much to kind of glean from this. They won. They didn't cover the spread. I made ten bucks off intern Grant Hughes. <laughs> he, he he bet he bet uh, UNC plus twenty eight. <laughs> no, whoa, Grant, come it on! It wasn't even man. the spread, but he gave it to me. Um, <sighs> Adam, I don't know. You were 
we sat there and watched the game. What could you take away from it? I mean, yeah, RJ Davis, Caleb Love got some points, but I, I thought Tyler Nickel left a little bit to be desired from him. I think you're going to miss Brady Manick a yeah. lot. And so you have to figure a way to, to fi- figure that out. And I think Seth Trimble is going to be a great point guard for Carolina for the next four years. Adam, let me interrupt you. Pedophiles? No, Thomas, make sure you vote. Today is election day. That's my point. Tell her, tell her, I'm, on the, tell her I'm on the beat live right now. The <laughs> really? I'm busy. I voted already. Go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I, as Ross knows, I voted today and there was a gentleman. He wasn't a gentleman. There was a dude outside my polling place telling me to be to be aware that the votes I was about to cast could influence whether or not a freak in a pink leotard would be governing governing us. I'm not sure who the freak in the pink leotard was, but um, I've always liked leotards. In. I mean, I John, just, who'd you, John, who'd you vote for? No, we're not doing that. No, no, no. We're talking Carolina basketball. Ben, ben is already going to send us an email. Dude. I know, really. Ross, you've got hey, the trouble. That was a test. That was a test, and all y'all, all y'all passed. <laughs> Adam, Adam, your take on Carolina's game on uh, – and, and shout out to folks in the chat that pay attention and that are giving us props on various things. But, Adam – Carolina basketball last night. Oh, have we seen Tyler Nickel and Brennan Armstrong in the same room? <laughs> hey, that that's pretty day. fun. Yeah, that's, pretty that's uh, I mean, it was a rough watch. We all watched it. Everyone here watched it. It was a rough watch. Uh, surprised that UNC got out rebounded um, with with the player that's going to be the greatest rebounder in school history by the numbers, and another dude who's six eleven. Uh, didn't think it was a great debut for Pete Nance. Thought he looked so all out of sorts and. Uh, a little slow, um, a little unathletic, but uh, I think Carolina needs some shooting. Uh, I think if they could ever get Puff Johnson out there, I think he could provide some of that. Uh, I think they're going to need all the shooting that they could get exactly. They had, just, they had four assists against UNC Wilmington, uh, the lowest assist number for a Carolina basketball team since 1980. And we know via Twitter that Tommy Ashley – Wow, uh, you pay attention. Yeah, I, I love you, Tommy. And we we know we know that you remember the loss and we were floored by it. Um, it was devastating at the so, at the town at the uh, JC Park where I grew up. My dad rode up and said they lost Texas A and M in the tournament. Ruined your day. <laughs> ruined the day. Yeah, ruined your weekend. But I mean, it was. I mean, UNCW slowed the, slowed the game down. I mean, you know, they they slowed the game down and they uh, they they did what they had to do to, to stay relevant. And I thought Carolina didn't play great. I, yeah, I, Hubert did say anxiousness and nervousness. And I thought they were rusty too. I mean, they hadn't, this is the first game they played. Um, and I think it's going to take a while, even though the, every one of these guys with the exception of Nance has played together just to get the, the rhythm and the feeling of this group together and get settled in. Um, at least they won the game. <laughs> like, but it wasn't exactly – what did I say? It wasn't a show-stopping performance. The curtain came up, and it was not a show-stopping performance from the number one ranked UNC Tar Heels. Yeah, I think three players used the word rust in the postgame interviews to me without me you know, no prompting or, or you know, you know, guiding the questions there. So definitely rust. Um, so, look, this is a long season. Like, lock in. Like, this is the first game of hopefully 40 – 
So they got the you know, they have College of Charleston, they have Gardner Webb. I mean, they got a couple of these before the games get more serious. So, you know, these kind of games are good to get back to practice, figure out they get you get comfortable, get used to playing with Pete Nance, get used to playing with Tyler Nickel and Seth Trimble. Um so that was my major takeaway. Nothing crazy. Rome wasn't built in one day. It was worked <laughs> on every day was the big quote from Hubert Davis. Um, so, yeah, it's, the office was not flowing at all. Four assists. No. I mean, look, they held UNCW to three assists, seven assists total. And when Hubert Davis heard that, he laughed. He just <laughs> kind of sat there, sat back in his chair and chuckled. Um, so not pretty, I mean, you know. Looking at back at this team in March when they were rolling on offense, this was far from it. It's interesting. Like they, the UNC double, UNCW doubled Armando sometimes. And then, you know, Carolina couldn't exactly exploit that by passing it around. And then there was other times I thought that Carolina overpassed. You know, I thought there was one time where Seth Trimble had like a layup or even a dunk and he's kicking it out to, to Leaky in the corner for a three. And I was thinking, like, why are you not just laying the ball up? You know, like, you know how it is when, you know, you know how it is when you play pickup basketball and you want to, like, make sure you share the ball so the other guys don't think you're a jerk. You know, like, uh, I thought there was some overpassing sometimes. Um, and, you know, it was just kind of a, a a rough game. Heck, I mean, we thought R.J. Davis might have caught a knee injury and Leaky might have hurt his foot, but they turned out to be fine. And, um I, I, I think this team is going to severely miss having a knockdown shooter from the corner. Yeah, just, they need, just, just, they just need. thinking about it. Like, who is that? Because it can't be really RJ Davis and Caleb because they're not that kind of player. They're they're the drive dish, get a three, but they're not the sit in the corner knock down a three. You can trust to have them to knock down four or five threes. You're talking about a, a guy that's a catch and shoot player like Manning. Yeah, just, yeah. just like RJ, like RJ and Caleb have the ball so much. They are on yeah. the ball off the dribble. But yeah, they need right. They need a catch and so, shoot person. And I was thinking that you know maybe Puff, maybe Don Trez, um, maybe maybe Nickel. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't Tyler think he's going. I don't. Uh, I don't I think mean, he's going Nickel. But I don't want to base a lot off one game. UNCW was somebody in the chat said UNCW would uh, come would be five hundred in ACC. I believe that they'd be close because the ACC is pretty much garbage past seven or eight. Um, John Bowman shaking his head. No, I'll let you get in there. Hold on. Yeah. I'll go give ahead, you a chance. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You you don't think UNCW could play 500 ball in the ACC? I'm uh, I'm a little uh, caught without my uh, research here. I haven't looked at their Kempom rating, so I, I don't know exactly. But I, I don't know about that. Uh, the ACC is, is still a really solid conference. My biggest takeaway, though, I agree with you guys, was the four assists. That, that's a really low number for me. I think – UNC sort of missed having a primary facilitator or creator. And as we saw when Armando was double teamed, like Armando isn't necessarily going to be the guy who's creating for others. Caleb, that's never been his strength, creating shots for others. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a plot, a theme throughout the, the season, um, seeing who can be that person to create clean looks for other people on the team. I was impressed too with Seth Trimble. I thought he looked really athletic. Um, he was really in control too, of, of permission. I, I did just see that permission, John. Permission to speak. Yes. I've got. I figured um, out how to do controls now. So oh, I'm you got me. the controls. That's not good. But let me I'm throw you one up. Since y'all are uh, y'all are shouting down my UNCW thing, they won twenty seven games. Shout out Scott Holland. 
Uh, I Wilmington. got you got my back. UNCW won 27 games last year. This team's a good basketball team. Pete Nance is going to have to be more aggressive. Brady Manick did not shy away from shooting the basketball from game one on. Nance, what did he take, three shots? Maybe one three yeah. from the corner? I think, I, think three. Well, I think we misspoke last night about he didn't take any threes. And I think Armando in the post game said you, he's got to be more aggressive or whatever. I think you've got three scores. You've got RJ, Caleb. And Amrondo, you got to have a fourth. And it's either going to be Pete Nance or Puff Johnson. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's got to be one of them. Um, and, and to y'all's point, it can't be kick the leaky in the corner every time. Leaky will make that once a game maybe. Um, but I think they're going to need a guy. And as far as Tyler Nickel, I mean, I know Ross, that's going to be your guy forever. And he's going to be good. But he's got he's going to have to play defense um, or he's not going to play. Uh, we know how – um, Hubert Davis thinks about that. So I just think it's game one. They won the game. Somebody also said it's November. Think about how last season started. I think that's, yeah. I think folks need to realize that this team was not good for the first two months of the season last year. And it's virtually the same guys. A lot of people saying Puff can be that knockdown corner three, you know, catch and shoot guy. Based on what? I mean, he hasn't gotten the time to prove that, and that's probably for a reason. So, until he proves that, I mean, what he, what did he probably make 10 threes last year, 10, 15 threes last year. I don't know. Come on, producer John and, and Puff, and Puff, like he's not healthy. What's the best ability? Availability. So, uh, sure, Puff's great, and he, he had some big games last year, but he's not that. Not, he is not Brady Manic. Um, and so, I don't know. I think that's going to be a theme, like like y'all said, is who can knock down a shot. No, look, they could be more dominant inside with 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 Nance and, and Baycott. Um, I think that will, will start clicking. So um, they have some scoring. Look, RJ Davis, Baycott, like you said, Tommy, RJ Davis, Baycott, and Love can can pour it in. They can all go for twenty five. Not Puff, all at the same time, but Puff hit six three pointers last season. He go. shot twenty three percent from three. Another point, as we're but talking he, he about didn't play, he didn't play a lot either. Yeah, like, he, didn't, he, didn't, he had that 16-point game at State and 11 in the cha- NCAA championship game. Mm-hmm. I was thinking he might have hit like 23s, but I was double, talking about that. Double fingers like three or four times the whole year. He's yeah. going to have to step up. Um, somebody well, said Nat shot, Nat shot 42% from three last year. He made 1.33s a game. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's not a lot. Yeah. I mean – Hey, how about this one? Uh, I was looking at the, the the old school box score on a sheet of paper when I was about to walk out last night, and uh, Caleb, RJ, and Leaky Black, who I would consider UNC's best passers, combined for one assist. <laughs> like, oh boy! Uh, but you can't have an assist if the shots don't go in, obviously. Um, so I think they'll be fine, but I mean they weren't any good last year to start the season. Um, I think the expect it's different too when uh, you're number one and everybody wants a piece of you. It's a there. There's a completely different mindset, and I don't think it's just as easy saying, "Okay, we're good this year." I don't. I don't think it works that way. Um, got to anyway. recruit shooters. Yep. Demarco Dunn could he be the shooter? I mean, they got to recruit. You got to recruit and have shooters. That's the name of the game now, right? Spread the court in this Hubert Davis offense. It was it clicked last year when you had that guy shooting from the corner. One and thing too. One thing good. I think defense will be big this year. They look good on defense. Yeah. One thing, too, before we leave the, the Brady Manic point, I think 
that is one of the takeaways from last season. They had one good lineup. They had a really good iron five lineup, and they rode that lineup in the last six weeks of the season to a lot of success. So now they have to sort of reconfigure what that crunch time lineup is going to look like, who they're going to count on. Um, so I think, you know, some of this early season, uh, you know, fluctuations in the performance is expected as they find what the iron five is going to be for this season. One thing that stood out last night is they rolled out three guards a lot. They went Davis, Love, DeMarco, Dunn, and they went Davis, Love, Seth Trimble. That's three players under six foot four, not really a three. It's kind of like, you know, two ones and a two or, or a one and two twos. I thought it was interesting. We didn't see that at all last year. Did I see a lineup when Leaky was playing the five? Or was Nance out there all the time, one of that group? Uh, they had they had a couple of times they had Nance at the five and Nickel at the four. And then one time they had Nance at the five and Leaky at the four. Well, Leaky is the, you know, Nickel and Leaky is the second biggest players and with the three guards, which I like. I th- That's fun. I think Nickel is a stretch four. I don't think he's playing much three. It's not everything's a little flexible too, so. But, yeah, I think he's kind of that stretch four, six, seven, stretch four. Yeah, use this part of the season to figure it out. And then, when, you know, the, the thing about it, ACC starts early, but don't they play 20 ACC games? I mean, use the first two months of the season to figure it out um, because nobody cares. I mean, how many people remember them getting drilled by Purdue? Um, well, they played Purdue well. It was Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee and then Wake Forest and Miami, they got they got just torched by. Who remembers that? Nobody. Everybody remembers March, and it's going to be the same way this year. John, what you got? I did want to pull up this real quick. Uh, WMC <laughs> McDonald. Will Shaver is the shooter we need, or he also throws out Bo May is there the you shooter go. that we need. So thank you, uh, Donald93. Yeah, Comedy uh, Central. Yeah. Could you play uh, – could the May family throw out um, five that could win a game in the ACC? You got the the May brother that played baseball, national champion at Florida. I'm sure he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, you got Drake, who's who's basketball. Uh, you got Bo, and you got Luke, and, and then Sean and, May, and then <laughs> brother from a different mother. Uh, or you got Mark, the the dad, could stand up there and take space in the paint. I think they could win a game in. in uh, Maybe one of those lesser conferences. Anyway, anything else, boys? It's been a fun show, an active show. Nine fifty-six. We usually wrap them in an hour. That's it for me. Got I do want to. I do want to throw out that UNCW is one ninety-third in Ken Palm, and I think <laughs> Georgia Tech is the lowest-rated ACC team at one fifteen. So I, I, I am willing to take that bet. I will happily take that bet. If there's a hypothetical, we could work it out. Well, you know what? You know how many games they play on paper, right? They uh, they play a bunch, and UNCW had a legit shot to beat Carolina last night. Let let me. I'll give you another fun fact. Uh, Speaking of 1980, Adam, you referenced the Blue Bonnet Bowl, and I remember this one, December 31st, 1980, number three, 13, North Carolina, 16, Texas, seven, Blue Bonnet Bowl back in the day. Same year that Carolina lost to Texas A&M in the tournament with four assists. Our guy Kenny Hardy was tuned into the interviews today. Look at him with the Awesome Richards at the three. How in the world did Awesome Richards play small forward at his size? Is what he was claiming today when we were talking to him at, over football interviews. Yeah, let, talk about Awesome Richards a little bit, guys. Y'all, I listened to that presser, Ross. That that is a cool 
kid, man. Yeah, he's he's great, man. He yeah. is so modest and you know, kind of oddly soft spoken, but still kind of provides you with a lot of good stuff. And you know, he's that classic lineman. It's just not much bravado, but you know, it seems like just a good, nice guy. And he's gotten he's gotten a very. I mean, he starts third year starting, so. He's experienced, he's a veteran, and he is having an unbelievable season. He's given up only five pressures, one hit, zero sacks from the left tackle position. So, you know, we talk about Josh Downs and the running backs and uh, Drake May, but a lot of that success is Drake May is not getting pressure from his side. Um, he's, he's a fun interview. We had some fun with him today. And Elijah Green was also a great interview, too. I mean, that guy is – he's going places. Um, uh, politician or – businessman or CEO, uh, those two guys were impressive. We talked for each of them for about 50, 10, 15 minutes tonight. That'd be a great ticket. Elijah Green and running mate, Austin Richards. I mean, you're talking about Austin Richards. He literally smiles as he talks to you. That, I mean, just that, I mean, he's such a pleasant human being. Like he's smiling while he talks to you. Um, so, a- and Ross is right. So soft-spoken. Um, and he's out there knocking people's heads off. On it's that. a, Sorry, sorry. It's interesting recruitment there. I mean, this guy looking at his recruiting profile right now from Haverford School in Haverford, Pennsylvania. He's ranked 901 in the nation, the 74th offensive tackle. So that kind of just shows you this is the 2019 class. This is the Sam Howell class. This is the first class for Mac Brown. Um, that kind of shows you about recruiting rankings, man. Uh, 901 in the nation. Will be scoffed at by the inside Carolina faithful, but look, potentially a four-year starter left tackle for UNC. Who's yep. going to Wake Forest this weekend? Are you two both covering it? Both going. I actually got. I, I was given the uh, the night off, and then I said, you know, Ben, I want to cover this game because I want to provide the content that everybody needs. I want to help out Adam. I want to cover the, this big game, and so I am. I I think we asked for an extra seat, and I'm going there. Oh, yeah, my parents, to my parents' house on Saturday night. <laughs> oh, can we crash? Can we all crash there? I'm driving. We got a radio show to do and go to a game and then drive home because I got to be up at eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday doing the. Again, I don't know why. I, you doing uh, the show from there? That's the plan. We'll okay. see how we'll see how it works. Uh, Lawrence Joel Arena, whatever it's called, parking lot. <laughs> what is that? Oh, parking lot. Okay. Oh, from from Joel Coliseum parking lot. Yeah, that's like the big public lot there. So we're gonna oh. we're gonna take that over. Uh, okay, yeah, you you're right. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the football stadium. Okay, no, 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 yeah. no, the parking lot, the basketball arena. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I'm gonna pull up to the front door of the football stadium and do a show. No, uh, what we got left on Inside Carolina this week? Let's see. We got on the beat live right now. This will be on the podcast feed shortly. We've got next level with Greg Barnes and I. We got a special guest for that one. Um, we'll get y'all. We got the game plan. We've got a special edition of Coast to Coast that'll be dropping tomorrow with a National Signing Day in basketball tomorrow, starting tomorrow, running through next week. Uh, we got VIP show later in the week, hopefully. We got the game plan. We got Inside Carolina Live on Saturday. The day, I mean, I'm talking about boys. Calling the shots audio will be after this podcast audio, right, Tommy? Yep drop calling the shots after we always tack that on and like i've told people in addition to tacking shots on this 
if we do an interview on next level that we think is a good enough one for you guys, we'll ta- attach that interview portion on the end of game plan. So yeah. try to get everybody covered and get everybody the content you need. Find a better place to get podcasts and YouTube content. You can't, you can't do it. Tommy's Adam, doing seven, seven days a week. Got a, got a show every day. Full time Tommy. Yeah. I wish I could, I wish I had a voice like Ross, you know, instead of this country fight voice. That's one thing YouTube does though. There is no, uh, there's no off season and there's no hiding. So I got to make sure I behave when I'm out in public around all you guys, Ross Martin, Adam Smith, John Bowman, Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. It's been On The Beat Live with Inside Carolina's family of YouTube and podcast shows. Uh, we can do that. Throw it up there. A special <laughs> edition. I was just saying, I think he was commenting that 20% of, the, of this pod behind the scenes. Oh. Sorry, can... I didn't mean to distract you. Let's get out of no, here. No, I was like, that might be a good idea one day. We can shoot the breeze with the best of them. Let's get out of here, though. Everybody be safe. See you Thursday night live on the game plan. Check out Inside Carolina. We'll see you in Winston as well. Welcome in to Calling the Shots, the premier Inside Carolina podcast brought to you by Blue Shark Vodka over in Wrightsville, local vodka company. Check them out, Blue Shark Vodka. Check them out on Instagram and online. We appreciate Blue Shark Vodka for sponsoring Calling the Shots. We've got Jeff here, UNC defeats Virginia 31-28 to move to 8-1 and on the season, an undefeated 5-0 and in conference and undefeated on the road. Jeff, what's going on? What's up? Hey, another victory Monday, Ross. Feels pretty good. Uh, Tar Heel fans, we told you to book your tickets to Charlotte a couple weeks ago. If you haven't done it now, you're missing out. Yeah, I mean, kind of incredible. Um you know, especially on the road and undefeated in the conference. They keep winning. They keep finding a way. You know, they're trailing heading into the second half. Maybe they've trailed heading into the second half a, a couple games now in a row, and they find a way. Great game by Josh Downs. Um, I wrote about it. 15 uh, catches for 166 yards and a score. You know, pretty solid game by Drake May. I mean, statistically, not unbelievable, but still really, really good. And the defense obviously made some plays again. He had the, the big interception the first half, Storm Duck, some pass breakups. Um, and Cedric Gray also had a huge game for UNC. Let's get right into it. Here's kind of what we're going to talk about. Jefferson going to the defense a bunch at the top. A couple things on defense that he wants to talk about. We'll then get into some offense, some Elijah Green talk. Elijah Green emerging as UNC's lead back. He got all the carries for UNC at running back in um, the majority of the snaps. And we'll get to some Josh Downs talk and close out with a little kind of um, – what would you call it, Jeff? Kind of closing scenarios on offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, talking about the last two drives kind of in the game and, you know, situational football and kind of some things that we can compare to from earlier games this year and um, we'll just talk about it. There you go. All right, calling the shots. Let's jump right in. The floor is yours, uh, Jeff, on the defense. A couple of things I know you want to talk about. Yeah, so – I want to give, you know, UVA credit to start the game. They had a good good game plan on offense. You know, Brennan Armstrong, he's a really good quarterback. You know, he he gave us trouble in years past. Last, last year he torched the ACC. He, he's a competitive guy. He's a good runner. He can throw the ball. He can scramble. So, like, give him credit. He's a good player. So, Virginia, they kind of opened the game. Um, they, they, they ran this stretch outside zone run scheme. And – our, our defensive line was having some trouble with it. 
because they were getting reached. So, and I'll try to explain this as simple as I can. Um, so in a traditional four down front, say we have the nose guard, you know, lining up in the A gap. Okay. On, on an outside zone stretch play, what was happening was the center was overtaking our nose guard or the, the guard was overtaking the three technique. So that causes issues for the linebackers because now the, the linebacker thinks the nose guard is going to be in his a gap, but now he gets reached by the, the center. So now there's two open gaps and then it allows the, the offensive lineman to climb faster and kind of knock the linebackers out of the way. Uh, so it's just, it, it was tough on our guys because, you know, we were getting two gapped essentially, you know, our, our D lineman was getting out of their gaps. So it was causing, you know, you know, uh, heartburn on the back end, the, the safeties and the linebackers that were fitting the gaps because there was two open gaps for them. So I think good, you know, run defense always starts with your D line. And in this game, we didn't play well, you know, run defensively from the D line. Yeah. Virginia took the ball off the, off the kickoff and, and drove down and scored a touchdown for the first time this season off their first series. Um, and they had some success running the ball throughout the game, some stats here, Virginia rushed the ball 17, that's not right. Virginia rushed the ball 39 times for 186 yards and four touchdowns, two of those touchdowns coming from Brent Armstrong on the ground. Of course, UNC was without Noah Taylor, Des Evans, and of course, Ray Hasek. Did you notice a difference in the level and talent of play across UNC's defensive line? Yeah, I, I would say yes. You know, I think Des is our best edge run defender. Um, so we did, we did miss him, but I think it was more so kind of in the middle. It was, it was our nose and three technique that were getting reached a bunch. And it happened when we were both in four down fronts and three down fronts. And here's what I'll, here's what I mean. So when we're in a three down front, our defensive tackle, you know, whether it was, um, Miles Murphy or Hester, they, they align in a, uh, four eye technique, which is the inside shade of the tackle. Okay. So they would run a run scheme and the, the offensive tackle would scoop our four eye out of the B gap. So it would cause heartache on the linebackers because, you know, power Cedric would think, you know, I have the A gap because I have a defensive lineman in the B gap. Well, now mm -hmm. he's pushed to the C gap. So now there's two interior gaps for the linebackers to defend. So I think to clean it up going forward, you know, we have to play it, it's, it's cliche as can be, but we have to play gap sound football and, our defensive lineman has to stay in their gaps. And if they're, if they're not going to stay in their gaps, they have to be so disruptive that they're in the backfield causing the running back to, you know, to stutter his feet and go east and west. Yeah, and Cedric Gray mentioned some second-half adjustments. Did you notice a difference in how they handled the run game in the second half? Schematically, they didn't do anything different. I think they just – the D linemen hit their targets, you know, played better fundamentals with their hands and eyes and feet and stopped guessing. You know, so, so Virginia got in the pistol, and when, when a running back gets in the pistol, you, you don't really have the tendency of which way they're going to run. So a defensive lineman can't he's, – he's not guessing on which way the zone's going to go. Um, so a pistol does it, – it is a good run scheme in the outside zone. Like Virginia, they don't have, you know, the most physical offensive line, but they're, I guess, decently athletic, and they could run and move and cut us off, and that's – that's kind of they stuck to their plan and it worked for them. Yeah, this would be a great time to have the uh, the whiteboard. This would be down. a great time to have a whiteboard or to show some film because it's yeah. kind of hard to talk about. But 
the main thing that I saw was just our D line was getting reached out of their gaps. And, you know, that kind of has a trickle down effect to the rest of the defense when, when that happens. Okay. And pass rush. It sounded like, I mean, it, it, clearly UNC failed to put a lot of pressure on Brent Armstrong. I mean, he was in there plenty of time, untouched, was able to do whatever he wanted back there for, for the majority of the game. What did you see from the pass rush from UNC's defense and what can be fixed there? Yeah, so when we have a traditional four-man pass rush and we're playing seven-man coverage, so normally it's a two-high look and we're playing what, what's called bracket coverage. We're just having a traditional four-man rush. You know, there's too many times where our edge guys are getting past the level of the quarterback and creating a, a B-gap escape way for the quarterback. So if, if I'm Cayman Rucker or if I'm Chris Collins or whoever the edge guy is running or rushing off the tackle – you know, I, I'm obviously trying to make a speed move, you know, to get to the quarterback. But once I get to the level of the quarterback, I can't keep rushing around because then that creates a giant gap for the quarterback to step up and, and navigate through the pocket. So what we got to correct is when I'm an edge rusher, once I get to the level of the quarterback, I got to settle down and not allow escape through that giant B gap for the quarterback to step through. And Brennan Armstrong, if you watched him, he's so much more dangerous when he gets outside the pocket because he can run it and he's pretty accurate at throwing the ball. When we, when we just press the pocket with our four down with our four D linemen and just kind of created a bubble, like a circle around Brennan, mm -hmm. then he was having a hard time throwing and he would miss some easy throws. So I think, you know, that's one of the things we got to correct going forward is not letting it escape, you know, hatch for, for the quarterback. It's easier said than done. You see it in all levels of football from college to you. I watched it, you know, in, in the NFL game last night, Patrick Mahomes, the Tennessee Titans were let him escape and he made plays with his legs. It's hard to do, but we have to keep working at it. Yeah, I also think there's just like a lack of talent in terms of getting to the passer. I mean, really, you got to win your one-on-ones. And UNC hasn't had a premier pass rusher for a while, um, in my opinion, someone that you can count on. I mean, Tamon Fox was pretty good last season. Um, he's in the NFL with the Giants. Um it just seems like the, the pressure's not there. And I don't know if it's scheme. I mean, should UNC start bringing more people? Like, I, he was all, people were always tweeting me, why is UNC dropping uh, eight or I guess or, or dro dropping seven? They should bring five. You know, at what point do you, do you bring an extra person more often? It's funny because I think Bateman brought a lot of pressure and I think he got, you know, negative yeah. feedback for bringing too much pressure sometimes and being too aggressive. So, you know, I just think we, whatever the call is called, we got to execute it better. Um, you know, there was times, there's one play, and I'll talk about it right now. It was the third and 15. You know, um, we had a three man pass rush. We dropped eight and they converted it on Boykins. Right. That three man pass rush, Chris Collins had a great rush. He, he, he pushed the tackle back into Brendan Armstrong's lap. So it's not that we can't pass rush, but we're sometimes creating pressure with three. I mean, and that play for, for, for instance, we did, it was just Boykins didn't do his job. He was the flat defender and, and didn't sink far enough and didn't get vision back on the quarterback and got beat. But, um, you know, when, when we do do a four man pass rush, we have to have, you know, uh, lane integrity and try mm -hmm. to, you know, try to, uh, narrow the escape hatches for the quarterback, because we, like you said, we don't have that one just go getter that can just, you know, flat out rush the passer. We don't have that. Yeah. And if UNC did, it was Noah Taylor and he's out for the season too. So it's even 
less of a you know less talent there in terms of pass rushers. Malachi Hammer only logged one snap, by the way. So you had Chris Collins playing a lot. Um, did you see anything personnel wise? I mean, I can pull up the snap counts here. Did you see anything personnel wise that you liked or didn't like in terms of how UNC rolled out on the defensive line um, that stood out to you? You know, it's kind of what I expected. You know, uh, uh, Ritzy played some inside and outside. He's versatile enough to do that. Uh, we got Travis Shaw in there to play some snaps in the middle. Cowan played some snaps more on passing situations. Um, you know, Keyshawn Silver didn't get any snaps. He played a little bit earlier versus Miami, but that's another big body. We got to be able to, you know, throw inside with Hester and Shaw and, and Murphy and those guys, just if we're going to put Ritzy outside. Yeah, Ritzy played a lot. 52 snaps for Ritzy. Chris Collins, 59 snaps in his home state. Kevin Hester, 51. Miles Murphy, 44. Came in Rucker, 42. And then kind of drops. Jacoby Cowan, 17. Travis Shaw, 13. Kedrick Bingley-Jones, who we haven't seen a lot, 10. And Malachi Hamrick, 1. Um, so definitely uh, different names there and some more snaps for some new names there. All right. So you wanted – we did pass rush. We did um, – you want to do run – we talk about run defense. Yeah. And then secondary. Um, I know you want to talk about secondary, and I want to also talk about Storm Duck. Yeah, I want, I want to give them some credit because football is – it's a copycat league. Uh, you see it in, the, in NCAA across each week, and then you see it in the NFL as well. So teams watch film, and they try to exploit what you didn't do well the, the prior week. And what Pitt got us on was condensed sets – heavy play action, and they were running cross-country like over routes. So it would be like a two-man route essentially with max protection, and it's it puts a strain on our on our safeties and our corners. So our corner – like when they when they run these routes, our last week our safeties were biting on the run, and whenever we were in a post defense, our post player would come and bite on the shallower route, and that would leave – a deep post one-on-one. So that's why you saw Storm and Tony get beat on some deep vertical shots versus Pitt because it was heavy play action. So the safeties are biting on the run and then they're throwing the ball over their head. And Virginia literally ran the same concepts out of the same formation with the same run action. And we got them all defended. And so I want to give them credit and I want to give our coaches credit for, you know, going back in the film room and really harping on, okay, uh, Virginia's going to run this because you guys got exposed on it last week. So give 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 credit to the safeties for for doing their one eleventh, and then also give Storm and Tony because they covered it a lot better. Yeah, it didn't seem like there were any big big you know back breaking pass plays. Their longest was a forty yard uh, play and a thirty, and that that's, that and that tied was in. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that the one deep ball was you know the last driver they scored on Storm. It was just a, a nine route outside release. You know, they hit a deep, a good, good, good throw and catch. You know, that happens. Yeah. And a tight end kind of had a huge day. Uh, Sackett Wood Jr. How about that name? Uh, he had six catches for 94 yards. He had a long of 33. But other than that, a 33 of 40 and everything else was, you know, under 15 there. So not as many explosives in the passing game. Um, see, and run I, game. Go ahead. I got a point on Sackett. So, First of all, we made Sackett look like Gronk. Uh, not good. Walk on. Yeah, what a name. I, I bet he's in a fraternity at, at Virginia. Yeah, Sackett Wood Jr. So his dad is Sackett Wood Sr. Um, so w- 
this kind of goes to another point I want to talk about. It's just one guy not doing their job on any given play. So the first catch Sackett had in the first drive, we were in a cover one concept where the all the secondary has the skill receivers man-to-man, and our two linebackers are the rat players. So Sackett runs a, a just a shallow under route that's four yards, and Cam Kelly has a man-to-man, but I think he thinks the linebacker is going to take him because he runs a shallow route, and then we just leave him wide open. So he gets a easy catch for 20 yards when he should be covered. He's not even the main option. He's like the fourth option on the play. Mm-hmm. The, touch, the, the, the long uh, wheel route he had, you know, we throw Malachi Hamrick in, in the game. I think his only play of the game, and he's the flat defender on that play, and he kind of gets his vision on the quarterback and sack it, turns it up, and runs a wheel route on him. But it's just, you know, both of his long receptions are plays where we bust. So it's not like he was out there, you know, dicing us up and running routes and, and looking like Travis Kelsey. It was it was our mistake. And that's kind of been the nature of our defense is when we do our job on each play, like we play we play really well for stretches of the game. But when we have these mental laps and mental busts where one guy is messing up, the, the ball tends to find that one guy for our defense. Yeah. And, you know, that's – I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> The one of 11. Uh, anything else on defense we'll get here to the ad read and, and to break into offense? Uh, you know, no, I think I think we covered it. You had the you said the four big plays. Were there four big plays you want to talk about? Yeah, I kind of mentioned two of them. Uh, okay. you know, the, the first one, I mean, one I want to talk about on the first drive was so we call a cornerback blitz, and it's the one Tony kind of got juked out of his shoes. You know, we it's a perfectly a perfect call for what they're running you know they're running a, a quarterback zone read so that the edge player crashes and takes the dive so the quarterback pulls it well he pulls it into a blitzing cornerback it should be a three or four yard tfl but tony doesn't take the right angle and he and he gets juked out and then it's a 12 to 15 yard gain so. yeah um i want to talk about storm duck I, I i did wrote a little article about him after the game nothing big but you know he said and, and max says well he's playing with so much more confidence now he's healthy He's finally able to plant his foot and rely on his instincts. And you saw that uh, in the pit game with the last two plays. I think he had a he blew up a screen with a big tackle. They had a um, a pass breakup to to seal the win against Pitt, and then against Virginia, he had the the interception, which was off a, a tip ball from Cedric Gray. You know, being in the right place, right time, making plays, and then he had a big pass breakup in the second half as well. Where he just kind of it was just a purely athletic, instinctual play where he got up there and played good defense and knocked the ball out. Um, and that's huge. I mean, UNC's been waiting for him or Grimes to kind of step up and lock down a side of the field. You thought you were getting that with Grimes, a big five, big time five star, and you thought you were getting that with Storm Duck, who emerged as a uh, you know as a freshman, was starting, started nine games as a freshman, you know, had a, a big year in 2019, and has been struggling with injuries. You coached him. You're in the room with him. You know, what do you like about Storm? Have you seen anything from him? Can you tell us anything about what Storm brings as a player? The first thing is his physical makeup. You look at him and he looks like an NFL cornerback. You know, he's over six feet. He's rocked up. He can run. He's got big calves. You know, he's he, he looks like an NFL corner. And I'm so proud of him because he he did have a huge mental hurdle when he broke his foot and he rebroke re- it twice. And he was having issues for the last two years. Because going into the 2020 season during training camp in that first game versus Syracuse, we all thought he was going to be All-American, five interceptions, 
and leave after that year. Like that's how good he was playing in the 2020 fall camp and the opening game. He breaks his foot versus Boston College, and then it, it literally took him almost two years to come back and, and get full strength. You know, he kept having these these uh, roadblocks, and he would tweak it, and I think he rebroke it once or twice. And and I had that injury. It's it's the Jones fracture. It's the outside. It's the fifth metatarsal on your foot, and it's it sounds like it's a simple injury, but it's really not because there's no blood flow that gets down there, so it takes a long time to heal. But it's just for a cornerback, your ability to stick your foot in the ground and change direction is so key, and that was bothering him for the longest. He just didn't feel comfortable with it. But I think now, like you see, the last couple of games, he's confidence is a huge thing in sports, and now Storm has it. And he's starting to look like that guy we, with, that he was playing like two years ago. Yeah, he's quick. He's fast. I mean, he got – I think he got offered a scholarship after he had a – ran some crazy – He ran a 4-3 at a summer camp. Yeah. Yeah, when early it was on. 2018 camp, I think, when Coach Fedora was still here. Yeah, because I think – yeah. And then um, committed from South small town, South Carolina. You know, awesome name. First on the scene here. Very modest, kind of soft-spoken guy. Um, but that play against Pitt, when he broke up the screen, that kind of was announcing that he had returned. All right, we recorded this here on a Monday. We're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm going to talk to you about Blue Shark Vodka, smoothest vodka in the world. Connor Barth just texted me. He said he's getting his ACC championship tickets. You know, part owner of Blue Shark Vodka. I want to shout out Connor Barth and all the guys at Blue Shark down in Riceville Beach for sponsoring this podcast. Independent local. Uh, vodka company that's you know supporting an independent uh, website and podcast uh, feed company. Um, smoothest vodka in the world, available in all 100 North Carolina counties. Great uh, mixer, very smooth, very easy, a flexible, versatile uh, spirit. Bring it for your tailgates. You know, if you're going to Wake Forest, Winston Salem, stop by the ABC store and get some Blue Shark vodka. It's awesome. It's a North Carolina company. Just so want to shout them out for sponsoring this, for sponsoring uh, Inside Carolina Podcast. Check them out. Tell them Inside Carolina sent you. If you see me uh, at a tailgate or tweet me out on Twitter, go ahead and do that. Blue Shark Vodka. And we're going to be right back. Um, I think we go right back into the show here. I'm going to switch here. i got to switch up the setup. So hold on tight right here real quick. Live podcast in here. I was wondering what was wrong. If this was it. All right, we're back. Blue uh, with calling the shots. Brought to you by Blue Shark Vodka. All right, so we did defense. Jeff uh, UNC defeats Virginia thirty-one twenty-eight. Let's get into offense. Um, obviously, in the Josh Downs show, you wanted to talk about Elijah Green as well. So we're getting to both those people. Uh, let's start with Elijah Green. Let's go through his stats here. 22 carries, 91 yards, one touchdown, average of 4.1 yards per carry. So not, not crazy in terms of yards per carry to get, you know, stop for one game, one yard gain, zero yard gain. Uh, he also caught a um, ball for a touchdown, a great little play out to the left side of the field, you know, broke a tackle, then beat the safety to the corner of the end zone. And he got all pull the snap count right here. For running backs, Elijah Green got 66 snaps, and DJ Jones got 11. And Elijah Green <clears> is the only running back to carry the ball. So floor is first, Jeff, on Elijah Green, who has emerged after being the fifth-string guy. It was Caleb Hood, Amari Hampton, DJ Jones. Um, Petway. 
Petaway was ahead of him. And now Elijah Green coming from fifth to first is the, the lead guy for UNC right now heading into the, the last stretch of games. Yeah, I just want to give Tar Heel fans a little insight to Elijah Green. Um, you know, I was I was on staff during his recruitment. Uh, you know, his dad, Victor, played in the NFL for 10-plus years, comes from a great family. Elijah is the most well-spoken, well-mannered guy, the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Um, you know, he spent two full seasons on scout team. And scout team running back is the most unglorious position in college football. You know, you're getting thrown to the ground. You're getting beat. You're going every snap. You know, he never once complained, ever. And, and, and most of those guys are complaining a little bit, but Elijah never once complained. He, when he first got to campus, he legit couldn't catch. I compare him to Mac Hollins. Like Mac Hollins, when he first got to campus, could not catch anything. Like it looked awkward. I felt bad for him. And and he'll tell you this, Elijah will, and everyone on staff will. But every day after practice, whether it was with, uh, you know, Jacoby or uh, Drake or whoever, the or even one of the walk-on quarterbacks, he was throwing and catching every day after practice. I don't care if it was the seventh day of training camp or the the middle of the season in 2022, his red or 2020, his red shirt freshman year, like he was throwing and catching every day after practice. And, and it's his hard work is, is paying off. The other thing is he's still playing special teams. You know, I think he's top five or six on special team snap snaps in our, in our team. You know, he makes a giant play on punt unit or kickoff unit versus pit, you know, um, like you said, he was fifth string going into the season. You know how hard it is for a, a college kid to stay focused and locked in when he's fifth string going into the season. Like he probably was getting scout team reps earlier this year. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, he, he might not have, but you know, Geno Smith had a good quote early this season where he's like, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. You know, that's Elijah green right there. He, you know, he had no hype going into the season. It was the two freshmen. It was Caleb hood. It was DJ Jones, but what he's doing right now is it's pretty impressive because he's, he's got this burst that, that really no, none of our other running backs besides Pe- uh, Petway has, but uh, he's catching the ball. You know, I, I want to give him a bunch of props. It's it's pretty pretty cool to see. Yeah, you, you took it right there. I was going to ask if you see anything special about him. You know, he does have that burst where he, he looks like he hits the hole a little bit quicker, uh, a little more instinctual than some of the other running backs. And then the ability, you saw it against Duke with that that 21-yard touchdown rush I think he had against Duke where he bounced off a defender, then burst in the end zone. You saw that in the in the – the uh, reception touchdown against Virginia, just a, a little bit extra gear to, to take a, you know, a seven yard, eight yard gain and turn into a, a 17, 18 yard touchdown. Um, he has been taken off special teams, it seems, Jeff. So he did play on kick coverage, punt coverage, punt return in almost every game. And then the last game here, looking at PFF grades right now, he is off all special teams. So they probably like, well, this guy can't get injured. He's our number one right. back. You know, he was tired. He, he got cramps, I think, against Pitt, uh, Mac Brown said. So he is now all special teams there. Um, so, yeah, Smart. Elijah Green. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is it's a crazy good story. Yeah, I mean, talking to him, he, he's a very impressive kid. He was a, a guest on as a, our recruiting show, The Scoop, when he was a high school kid. So shout out to Elijah Green there. All right, Josh Downs. I mean, what else can you say about him? I was listening to the Day After podcast with Jason Staples. Um, Tommy Ashley and Buck Sanders and, and Jason was, you know, comparing Josh Downs to Julian Edelman, um, to Hunter Winfro, just that, that kind of unguardable slot receiver. Uh, but Josh Downs 
probably had one of his best games of his career against Virginia. 15 catches, one away from the single-game reception record held by Ryan Switzer and Akeem Nix. See, uh, 15 catches, 166 yards, one touchdown, uh, 16 targets, and then uh, 11.1 yards per catch. Josh Downs, you know, him and, and Drake May, you might have the best duo in in college, and, and, you know, and maybe one of the top receivers and definitely one of the top quarterbacks in all of college. Floor is yours on what Josh Downs is doing, not just against Virginia, but this whole season. Yeah, so I, I didn't get to watch Akeem Nix when he was in college. I just, you know, I knew of his NFL career, but I think Josh is probably the best receiver that we've ever had at Carolina. And we really have to appreciate him because what he's doing is he makes it look so easy. He's like Drake. Everything is so effortless. He's always open. The third down connection between Drake and Josh is so awesome. Every third down, Drake is looking for Josh and they're always converting. I'd love to see some statistics on the numbers of third down conversions they've had this year. But uh, it, and here's so I went back and watched the film and and Drake missed uh, Josh at least four or five times in the game. Not he just he looked his way and he was covered at one instance. But then Josh made a move and was open. Josh could have had 20, 20 catches for 250 yards. You know, I if if every game that Josh plays against Virginia, it seems like it's a career day for him. So I wish he could play Virginia every every game. But he kind of does that to any defense regardless. You know, each game he plays, it's like he's breaking, you know, some some type of record. Yeah, I mean, during his recruitment, the whole thing was just how, you know, he was an expert at, at route running. He was so polished coming into college as a route runner, uh, training with his dad, who's a, a college coach. Um, you know, the, the quick twitch, the burst, the ability to get open. I mean, physically, what, what can you say about him as a – is what, what he does as a technician, as a wide receiver. So I'll, I'll talk about something before that that I just thought of. So kind of like I was talking about Elijah Green staying after practice and working, you know, with, you know, one of the backup quarterbacks or a student manager or Longo, whoever it was, Josh Downs was doing the exact same thing. His freshman year when Daz Newsom was, you know, the starter and doing that, Josh Downs, Antoine Green, J.J. Jones, those guys would be in practice every day with uh, Joe Sabatini, our receivers GA, you know, working on the smallest details after practice. So Josh, with all his physical ability, he worked just as hard as maybe harder than anyone on the team. Like him and Sam, those are probably the two hardest workers on the team. And Ryan Switzer used to be that way. And, and these are some of the insights that the fans don't see. They just see a very gifted player, but they don't see how hard they work. And even after practice in the after hours, they're putting in so much time to perfect their craft. And J Josh Downs, he's not only a superior athlete, he's not only, you know, a great skilled receiver with great hands and, and competitive as hell and great route runner, but he understands coverages. And that's so underrated for a slot receiver is, especially at a, at a slot, because things happen so quickly in there that he has to be able to read coverages on the fly, you know, what the nickelback is doing, where the safety rotation is, um, you know, he's got to, you know, fend between linebackers across the middle. Like Josh Downs is, I said it, I think a couple weeks ago, like he won't get past the second round. You know, he has size limitations, but his quickness, his route running, his, you know, his ability to process will overcome all of that. Yeah. He's putting so much good um, things on tape this season and last season. Um, with the air raid system, 
wide receivers have to make some decisions, you know, on the run, right? During their route, they, they have to read. That's a big part of the offense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and Josh does it as well as anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be interested to see where he goes in the draft there. And then one other thing I want to talk about with him. I think that's it. All right. Um, okay. Empty set. You want to mention the empty set? I'm setting you up here for, for the, the conversation. One thing I'll mention, tight ends have kind of fallen out of UNC's pass catching recently. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. Bryson Nesbitt, I think it's just kind of banged up. He had a big knee brace on. Uh, he got injured against Pitt. So he's kind of been taken out of the offense. And I'm not sure if Morales – I mean, Morales caught one ball at least against – Morales had two catches. But um, I don't know if you saw anything there with tight ends. Yeah, I mean, you know, the focal point of our offense has been, you know, Josh. And then, you know, prior week it was Antoine. Um, You know, they'll come back around. They're talented. I think they're a little banged up. Um, You know, they they played so well earlier in the season. I don't – I think it was kind of unrealistic that we could expect them to continue that the whole year. But – they're going to come big, come up big at some point, you know, later in the season. We're going to need them. Okay. Empty sets. So empty sets. So, you know, I don't know statistics on how many times we've ran it this year, but watching the game, this kind of caught my eye. So an empty set is when there's no running back in the backfield. So he empties out and he's lined up as a receiver. So Drake is the only one in the backfield. So it's five wide. And what I love about this is – First, Drake is so cerebral. He reads coverages so well, and he knows where to go with the ball based on what the defense has given him. So when, when we're in an empty set, it's so much clearer for Drake to see a defense because there's so much space, so the defense has to align on our guys. First, he can he can read the safeties. Is it one? Is it single high? Is there a post safety in the middle of the field? Well, if it's a post safety, Drake knows the route concept exactly where to go with the ball. If the running backs, you know, lined up wide and a linebacker goes out to to match them, then that means they're in some type of man defense. So Drake knows, okay, if we're if they're in man, then we have a one-on-one shot, probably with Josh or Antoine or something like that. You know, if, if it's a cornerback covering them, then, then they're in t- some type of zone defense. So Drake right there can, you know, cross things off his list. So some of the stats I picked from it. So we ran empty seven times for and we had 74 yards on those seven plays. One of them, one of them was a, so we did, we did multiple things out of it. We ran, you know, quick, quick pass concepts to get the ball out of Drake's hands. We ran a quarterback draw. Uh, We ran a tunnel screen. So we were mixing the look up and it it put Virginia on its heels because Drake is such a quick, accurate decision maker that he knew right where to go with the ball. And then the other thing is if, if the defense is going to unload the box and play coverage and have their linebackers, you know, out on our slots, then the box is light and Drake and our best run play is the quarterback draw where Drake looks. And then the center kind of is the lead blocker and Drake navigates through there and, and uses his athleticism. So I want to personally tell Longo, I hope that Wake Forest or the other uh, teams aren't watching our podcast, Ross, but uh, you know, I would do that at least seven to 10 times a game because it, it worked this game. And, and, Drake had he was I think it was five or six or six. He didn't have a incompletion and empty, and we gained positive yards every play. Yeah, and Drake is a rushing point here, and you know, including sacks and lost yardage. Sixteen rushes for seventy-four yards, and that touchdown run where he reversed the field had the whole line waiting for him. Can you explain a, a tunnel screen for us? Uh, I think Mac mentioned it too. Um, for those who don't know what a tunnel screen is, of course I know what it is. Of course you do, football guy. 
So the first tunnel screen we ran, it was, we're out of empty. And it was a third down, it was a big third down conversion. And Virginia showed pressure. So they had, you know, the four down linemen and the two linebackers walked up, walked up on the line. So, like I said, it's so easy for Drake to see when we're in empty what the coverage is because you, you can't disguise when you're in empty. So the linebacker, they're showing pressure. So when they're showing pressure, they're in a man concept. And what a tunnel screen is, is uh, Josh Downs is selling up the field one step and then coming back to the ball. And the, the offensive line is showing pass pro like to get the D line to rush hard. And then now they're slipping out to go block the secondary or the, the outside defenders. So it's kind of an illusion for the D line. So we're going to get the D line to rush up field hard. And then now we're going to sneak the offensive line to go block. And, and Drake is just going to dump it a quick, easy throw to Josh. And now we have lead blockers for Josh with the, with the D line or with the offensive line leading up on the secondary. And now Josh in space, it's just, when it's when it's done well, it's such a hard play to stop, especially yeah. when they're in man coverage. And and the first time we ran it was Virginia was in a pressure look. They're in man coverage. It was the right play versus the right defense. Is that the most common type of screen? Are there other type? Obviously, there's other type of screens. But is that like when people say it's a screen? Is that usually what it is? A tunnel screen. So I would say the top three are the running back slip screen out of the backfield. You know, like a play flake to the running back, and then he kind of turns around and you just dump it to him. That or, or like a now screen, which is like you see it from offenses all the time where the, the receiver is literally on the ball, just turns and catches like he doesn't go anywhere. He just turns and catches a quick, you know, quick pass from the quarterback. And, and he has wide receivers blocking for him. Yeah, he has wide receivers blocking for him. Yeah, but like I feel like in NFL and stuff, the tunnel screen is pretty common to you get it to the wide receiver and you have the lineman blocking for you. Yeah, and, and, we, and we have athletic linemen that can get in space and that's when you run it. You know, yeah. you run it, you run it versus a D lineman that's pressuring upfield. They think it's a drop back pass. So they're, they're, you know, you know, uh, they're rushing upfield and then our linemen are sneaking out and going to, you know, block and get in the way of these, uh, these defenders. And Josh is just so good in space that he can, you know, navigate through all the traffic and pick up yards. Yeah. And shout out the UNC offensive lineman. There was a stat with awesome Richards that I, I tweeted out on like Monday or Tuesday He's like he hasn't allowed a sack yet from the left left tackle position. I don't think he's missed a game or a snap. He only allowed like three pressures and, and no hits on the quarterback from Awesome Richards. So he's having an all ACC type season. Hopefully, going to write about him this week because um, we don't mention the offensive line as much because they're, they're not making as many mistakes this season. Um, and it seems like the running game is getting better and whatnot. All right, let's get into your last little segment here. You want to talk about some kind of offensive decision-making and scheme and play calling late in the game. Uh, the floor is yours for that. Then we'll get out of here with players of the game and look ahead to Wake Forest coming up here next Saturday. Yeah, so the drive I want to talk about is right after Josh has that big punt return to, to put the ball in Virginia territory. I think there's five minutes to go in the game. First and 10, we have the ball in the UVA 37. We're up 10. You know, we're, we're, we're going to run out the clock and, 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 win the, and ice the game, essentially. So the first play we run is an, an RPO slant to J.J. Jones, and it was arguably Drake's worst throw of the day. You know, it's a it's a wide-open slant. Drake has the option to hand the ball off to Elijah Green on a split-zone concept or throw a slant behind him. And Drake chose the slant because the we put motion in the play and the nickelback ran with Josh Downs. So it was a wide-open pitch and catch that Drake just – he had a bad throw. Mm -hmm. So that right there, like – 
that's that's on Drake because that's an easy seven yard completion that he hits, you know, 99 out of 100 times. And then, you know, we run the ball three straight plays and we ran the ball on fourth and three. You know, it was a split zone concept. And that that's kind of the play that I'm a little bit critical about because, you know, fourth and three, I think we need to put the ball in our best player's hands and that's Drake. Um, you know, I, I wanted him to I wanted him to throw the ball, you know, a one-on-one concept with Josh. You know, he's uncoverable when he's in the slot and he has a nickel back on him because Josh will just run an option route away from the nickelback's leverage, and Drake is smart enough to read which way he's going and hit him for a quick, quick pass. And why I say that is because um, – so after the onside kick, you know, we get down and we have a third and two, you know, inside the UVA red zone. Yeah, before you do that, let me just go make sure everybody understands what happened there. So – the incomplete you know, UNC has a ball on the UVA 37, you know, to seal the game here. 554 left, incomplete to JJ Jones, a four-yard rush to Elijah Green, a three-yard rush to Elijah Green, and then a and then on fourth and three, we run it to Elijah Green for one yard gain. And um it's fourth and three, and then UVA takes over. Only like a minute and a half comes off the clock. This is late in the game. And UNC did not pass. They ran on fourth and three. And you're saying you'd rather they prefer to get the ball to Josh Downs there. Yeah. Sorry. I, my just brain got a little. Yeah. That's that's why I have you, Ross, because I was yeah. I was in the zone. And it made sense in my head. But No, it did. I just want to make sure that we understand exactly. So now UVA takes the ball over. Um, they go down and score. They have a great drive. They only take off, uh, you know, another minute off the clock. Seriously, just a minute. Onside kick. UNC recovers. I want to talk about onside kick first, or I want to talk about onside kick after. But then UNC has a drive now after they recover the onside kick to seal the game, and this is what you liked about what UNC did. Yeah, so in the must-have-it go-to play where it's third and two and and we got to get a first down to ice the game instead of you know playing conservative and trying to kick a field goal because then that gives Virginia a chance to go score – is it's third and two and we throw the ball on an option route to Josh Downs and we get the first down to ice the game. So what I was saying is I would rather have seen them on the drive before, you know, it's, it's third and three, it's fourth and three, and we run the same play instead of maybe putting the ball in Drake's hands twice and running an option route or something to, to Josh, because looking back at the film, he was one-on-one and, you know, I'd take Josh and Drake on two times getting a first down over anyone on our team. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I guess it's a little conservative from our play call. You know, we, we got to go ahead and get first down and ice the game there. You know, it, it happened in the Duke game where we're up 10 and we do the same thing. We're in Virginia's territory, but we don't get any points on the board. Yeah. I mean, what a weapon you have with Drake to Josh and you use it, use it a lot in the red zone, you know, use it there to get the first down as well. All right. Quickly on the, um, on the onside kick, you know, against against Appalachian State, Bryson Nesbitt got it and should have gone down because UNC would have been able to ice the game, kneel on it, and the game would have been over. Instead, App State, uh, UNC scores, Bryson Nesbitt scores, you know, instinctually scores, and then App State drives the field and could have, I think, won it or tied it on a two-point conversion, right? So here against Virginia, similar situation, onside kick, UNC's up three Antoine Green gets it on an onside kick and has the option to run it back instead he kneels on it 
UNC would have gone up um, two scores, would have gone up 10 off Anton Green return touchdown. Instead, they kneel on it and have to, you know, complete some offensive plays to eventually uh, let the clock run out. What – so the issue here is, you know, a little overcoaching, right? They've drilled it in the players, like, kneel on it, kneel on it, kneel on it. So Antoine Green here gets it and kneels on it when he should have run it back. What is that special teams conversation like on the field there? Like, what, what do you think is going on there? Like, why can't they get the message through – like, they should have said, hey, if you get the ball, score. So – First of all, all the gamblers that had UNC minus seven, yeah, that play pissed them off. But no, it was the right play, you know. Ver- to kneel on it, to kneel on it, because oh, I, I think he should have ran it back. It's the right play because UVA never got the ball back. We got a first down and we won the and we iced the game. Well, it's the right play now because of hindsight, right? But I think you just you just want to you just want to ice the game. I, I think, and that that's what all the coaches were telling them in the huddle before the onside kick. They're like, look, versus App State, that was that was not the right play to go score. The right play was to catch the ball, go down, and and we'll run out the clock. So I think before in the huddle, Coach Porter and, and Coach Brown and all the other coaches are telling, uh, who was it, Antoine Green? Antoine Green, yeah. Yeah, if you catch it, go down and don't score because all we have to do is possess the ball and we'll win the game because I don't think Virginia had a timeout. Well – yeah, but UNC got to get a first down. I think Mac Brown said after Mac Brown would have preferred that he had scored there. Oh, did he? Yeah, because it would make a two possession game, and so uh, Virginia would have scored twice. That's the difference. In App State, they only had to score once okay. to tie it against Virginia. UNC was up three, so a touchdown makes it ten points. It's a two possession game, so points there I think was the better play. Uh, there's a little debate there. Maybe that's why I'm not coaching because I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a special I mean, teams guy. <laughs> Hindsight's <laughs> 2020, uh, and UNC was able to convert. All right, let's get out of here. Players of the game. We actually didn't talk about it before the show, so I, I'm unaware of who uh, Jeff's going to pick. There's one guy we haven't talked about. So, uh, offensive player of the game. I'll I'll pick Josh. Okay. Uh, just you know what he's doing is, you know, pretty special. Best receiver in the ACC. He's he's kind of putting himself. Uh, in the in the running for an All American year, I think if he didn't miss, you know, mm-hmm. how many games he missed, two or three, his numbers would be absurd. I think he's averaging over 100 yards a game. He's got eight touchdowns. Uh, Josh Downs is. I, I predict him to be the MVP before the season. I little did I know it could be Drake, but you could give it to either Drake or Josh. Yeah, I'm interested to see with with um, postseason awards where he stacks up. He did miss two games, but. He is blowing up here as of late. His his games, his stats in the last three games have been incredible. I'm gonna have to go with Josh Downs too, but honorable mention Drake May, 26 for 36 for 293 and two touchdowns. I mean, he is so efficient. You know, always completes around 70 percent of his balls. And of course, Elijah Green, 22 attempts, 91 yards, one touchdown, and the reception touchdown. All right, defense. This is what, this Wait, is the- I got I got something about Drake. So, and I, and I noticed this when I was watching the game is Drake to me looks like he looks like the eighth grader that's playing football with his his little like fourth and fifth grade brothers like they're playing in the backyard drake has already hit puberty and he's playing with his little brothers that are just little and haven't yet like when he when he pump fakes the ball it looks like he has a nerf ball in his hand like he's just so smooth he's so efficient there's no strain like even when he's running the ball like he's just he looks like he's bigger and faster than everybody so it's pretty funny to me that that's what he looks like he looks like he's in the backyard with his fifth grade brothers and he's in eighth grade just kind of bodying them 
<laughs> Interesting note there. All right, defense player of the game. I'm going to go – let's go Storm Duck. I give it to Cedric Gray every game. It's, Cedric Gray was the player of the game, but Storm Duck, you know, welcome back. Um, pretty happy to see him. You know, when, when he caught that interception, you know, that shows another level of ability that he has. Most DBs, like I said, I've said before, they drop the ball. They're happy with a breakup. They clap their hands like they should have caught it. But Storm, you know, that was a huge play in the game for him to – come down with that interception because UVA is driving. And I think that was the second drive of the game. They're, they're about to go down and score, but, mm-hmm. you know, we get an interception and kind of flip the momentum of the game. Yeah, I'll go Cedric Gray. I mean, he's probably going to be ACC linebacker of the week. 16 tackles. So he takes the lead in the ACC for total tackles. Uh, one sack, the sack that kind of Chris Collins gave him. Um, Cedric Gray took him down. Two tackles for a loss and two pass breakups. Um course one of the past breakups probably the tip ball there that led to the storm duck um interception all right we gotta get out of here this might be our longest show yet jeff um wake forest saturday 7 30 p.m on espn2 a big one wake drops the game at state so they fall out of the rankings most likely so it won't i mean they follow the ap ranking we'll see where they are in the college football playoff ranking so it's not gonna be a top 25 match as we expected they have a good quarterback in sam hartman though but they've been turning the ball over a ridiculous amount the last two games. I think you, Wake Forest, the team, had eight turnovers against Louisville and a couple more against State. So they're kind of trending a little bit downwards. Two losses on the road. They come back home to Winston-Salem. A big one. This kind of the game that's been circled. It's kind of the toughest game for UNC. Your thoughts heading to this one. Uh, UNC 8-1, 5-0, and undefeated on the road. Yeah, this is an exciting matchup. I mean, we haven't been able to win it. Uh, Wake Forest as of late. Uh, I don't like that we're playing a Wake Forest team coming off of two losses just because, you know, Sam Hartman's a fifth-year senior. He's, you know, he's been there, done that. You know, we our defense hasn't been able to stop Wake Forest the last two years. You know, you look at the 2020 game and the 2021 game, they put up tons of points on us. Um, Sam Hartman's had huge games in both of them. But looking back at Wake Forest's last two games, you see him versus Louisville and you see him versus State. If we can kind of get that recipe for success that that we can follow the game plan of Louisville and State, I think maybe we can give them some issues. You know, obviously the turnovers are a huge thing. If if any time a, a team turns the ball over that many times, it's hard for them to win. So I, I, the first thing we got to do is create turnovers. But the second thing we got to, you know, decide to do as a defense is whether we're going to completely stop the pass or completely sell out and stop the run. That's in my opinion, because they do that slow mesh where, you know, Drake or uh, Sam is riding the ball in the running back's pocket and he's reading the safeties. If the safeties stay high, then he's going to hand the ball off. But if the safeties kind of trigger in the run, then he's got one-on-one shots on the outside. And that that's where their best players are. A.T. Perry, I think his name is, he's a real big threat. So, the stress in this game is going to be on our two cornerbacks. We're going to win this game if Storm and Tony can win their one-on-one matchups because they're going to be one-on-one a lot. So if, if they're able to, you know, you know, get in the way of, of these receivers and make it hard for them, to, they're going to complete passes. And uh, But if they have big games, we'll win it. Yeah, so Sam Hartman had three interceptions against NC State. Against Louisville, he had three interceptions against the Cardinals. And then his backup came in and threw another interception. I think it's probably mop-up time. 
Um, and then against Louisville, Wake Forest fumbled the ball four times. Sam Hartman had three lost fumbles. Um, and then, yeah. So I think the big thing here is, you know, this is kind of not as distinct as like a preparing for Georgia Tech's triple option back with Paul Johnson. But you do have to kind of prepare for a different type of offense, like you said. So it's just not a spread. I mean, you know, spread concepts, but it's not, you have to, that mesh thing is hugely critical. I remember they, was that 2000? I know it was, it was when Sage Surratt was there. Um, Jamie Newman, I think, was the quarterback. 20, yeah, was we played him in 20, 2019. We played him at, at, at Wake. It was a non conference game. And man, yeah. they did that slow mesh thing so much. And that was when um, it was Jason Shrowbridge, Aaron Crawford, and they, they destroyed UNC off that slow mesh. Uh, so big one at Wake Forest. Chance to go nine and one and six and oh in the conference. They would be able to clinch the ACC Coastal with a win in Winston-Salem. It's a big one. Uh, and we'll be delivering and calling the shots that Monday. Guys, we appreciate you all watching. Calling the shots brought to you by Blue Shark Vodka. Check them out. Appreciate you, Jeff. And we will check you next time. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, I guess I got a little bit long-winded today, but I that apologize. Was that, was, that was a long, uh, long podcast. It was good stuff. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Later.